When Billy Joel first recorded his iconic hit, Piano Man, in 1973, the song clocked in at 5 minutes and 40 seconds. Joel was urged by music executives to shorten the song, and eventually a promo version of the song was released, clocking in at 3 minutes and 16 seconds. Joel isn't the only artist to struggle with commercial radio's demand for short songs. Infamous music producer Phil Spector also encountered issues with song length, and resorted to a rather simple trick for getting radios to play longer songs. Lie about the length. After producing the Righteous Brothers single, You've Lost That Love and Feelin', he sent the record out to radio stations with a label that said 3 minutes and 5 seconds. In truth, the song was 3 minutes and 50 seconds. By the time radio stations had figured out what was happening, it was too late. The song was a hit. Joel's experience as a musician, coupled with the Phil Spector story, created one of the most memorable lines off the only single from his 1974 sophomore album, Street Life Serenade. The single reached number 34 on the U.S. charts and is often featured on greatest hits and essential collections of Billy Joel songs. It may not be the most famous Billy Joel song, but it is the most often referenced song on the music review podcast, Cover Me. That's right, we're talking The Entertainer by Billy Joel on Cover Me. I am the entertainer, and I know just where I stand. Another serenader, and another long-haired band. Today I am your champion. I may have won your hearts, but I know the game. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, and compares them against one another to find out which one may have won our hearts. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my entertaining co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Ooh, Alex Mildenberger, how are you doing? Entertaining. That's... <laughs> you can be dour and still entertaining, I think. Yeah. I'm okay. glad to see you're so excited to talk about Billy Joel today. <sighs> I am excited to talk about Billy Joel, the entertainer. Officially. This is this is our first time of talking about Billy Joel, bringing it up vaguely and calling the, it the entertainer rule and re- referencing three minutes and five seconds in song length. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, thrilled uh, to see it has context unprompted. outside of just Billy Joel. It is nice that it actually came from somewhere, and it's not just something he made up, like for a rhyme. Yeah, like his whole career as a lounge piano singer for the song it's "Piano Man." Rhyme. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, um, 305, The Entertainer Rule, The Entertainer, Billy Joel. Alex, tell me about your long, lusty history with Billy Joel. My long, lusty history with Billy Joel. Um, I would say when I was in high school, yeah. I got a book, of no. uh, a music book of songs okay. for the piano, yeah. Billy Joel songs. And at that point in time, I was like, I should actually learn what some of these songs are listen to some billy joel because i mean you know you hear there's some on the radio but really it was just still rock and roll to me that was pretty much yeah. the only billy joel song i knew even like i knew piano man uh conceptually like people had mentioned it okay uh, i knew the story but i didn't know the song at that time so that was when i just i just like got it out of the library or whatever Got some greatest hits. That's it. That's the other thing. I really only know them in terms of the greatest hits, not so much in terms of the albums. Yeah, that's fair. I'm 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 the same way. Yeah. I'm the greatest hits and the essential Billy Joel. Oh well, I mean, of course. Yeah. And then there's like volume one. There's like three volumes of greatest hits yeah, too. Exactly. So there really be that many greatest hits. Yeah. Well, there are, I guess. 
Um, How much Billy Joel is essential? These are the questions we have to ask, you know? I'd say some of it. These nutrition scientists, they don't have the numbers for us yet. They don't know how much Billy Joel is essential for a healthy they gotta life. got to set it on fire and count the something. Um, <laughs> count that's something. how nutrition works. <laughs> yeah, typically. Fire and counting. Um, yeah, so Billy Joel. I, that's when I started listening to Billy Joel. And then I, and I guess you as well, perhaps for a while, maybe not quite as much, but maybe, uh, went through kind of a Billy Joel phase for the next couple of years. Uh, oh, I thought he was the coolest fucking guy, Alex. I was um, like, Billy Joel is what being cool is. Hmm. Well, and I know. would th- throw on fucking um, Only the Good Die Young while I was getting dressed in the morning in high school. <laughs> Played on a CD because I was of course. always years behind on technology. Of course. And uh, like, yeah, I'm a bad boy. Like Billy and I Joel. still like Billy Joel. <laughs> I just yeah. maybe less fervent. But you know, I'll still sing a Billy Joel song. There was, I mean, this song specifically. We sang this driving around with the windows down one time because we were uh, having a good time, and some people shouted at us something about Jolin. I think. Jolin. I said, "Yeah, Jolin." Familiar. <laughs> and then I just kind of like took a left turn, and we kept going. We were cajoling. Yeah, maybe they didn't realize it was Billy Joel. They said cajoling, and we just thought they that- were actually referencing. What was happening? But they recognized it as a Billy Joel song, apparently. Maybe. Well, how could you not with this obnoxious fucking Moog synth? <laughs> Do you use a lot of Moog synths? Um, he, so this is like, so this is his second album. This is like his first time using Moog synths on, and it is a Moog one, uh, using synths in general, I right. believe, but uh, on recordings. So I think he goes a little off the handle. <laughs> it is if definitely. I'm being yeah, kind of a. I guess it's kind of. I don't know. I don't want to call it a cheesy riff, but uh, it's very prominent. I hate using the word cheesy in music. Because what does it even mean? What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's. It's. I don't know. I hate it. I think it has no place in music criticism. People always ascribe it to the 80s. Yeah. I mean, um, in terms of sound, it's hard to say what it means. Maybe in terms of, of like lyrics. Yeah, and lyrical content, I guess vocal delivery, you can get cheese yeah. on there. I, I get that, sure. But like, a, but like a, an instrument tone or timbre, it's kind of like, I, I guess, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like instrument tone could aid and abet cheese without being guilty of cheese itself. There you go. Yeah. That's my hot take on that. Um, speaking of cheese in general, though, yeah, Billy Joel, I just, I, I went through a love-hate relationship with him. There was quite a few years where I was like, he's a, he's a liar and a charlatan and not as cool as he pretends to be, which is true. But I felt betrayed by that. And now I've got to come around, um, and I'm just like, oh yeah, he's fine. (laughs) Like, somebody on Twitter once posted that Billy Joel... You know, he always he claims to be rock and roll in a lot of songs, but he's really just like musical theater. I mean, and that's what Americans love in truth. It's like he just had to trick him and say like, mm, "Rock and roll," and they're like, "Yeah, this sax solo is rock and roll." When really, this musical theater, man. Right, he's especially like for when he was recording, uh, when it was more like hard rock and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not. Like, he's obviously much more piano-driven and much more based on, like, some older-school rock and roll, but it's not necessarily that similar to that either. 
Yeah, no, it's pretty pretty soft rock. It's more like like you would call it adult contemporary, I guess, which is just about fucking anything. Yeah, if adults listen to pretty it, pretty vague. It's not contemporary anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for damn sure. So, uh, yeah, Billy Joel, and yeah, a lot of there's a lot of like soft ballads and stuff. Obviously, Piano Man, like that is not really rock and roll. It's very piano driven and. Mm-hmm. doesn't really have much like grit to it i guess that's it there's a lot not a lot of grit necessarily and yeah then, a lot of a lot of smoothness almost more reminiscent of like jazz in that sense though i would say the playing style yeah. is not jazz right and then like he'll get into something like even his songs that maybe seem a little grittier yeah they do seem kind of performative like even mm-hmm. if it's it is honest because he does have more of like a uh, like working class background. Yeah, he is a New Jersey lad. Yeah, so, and like, then he'll sing like like, <laughs> like Uptown Girl or whatever right. about like how he's this downtown guy. He's kind of rough and tumble. And you're like, what? You don't seem it. <laughs> yeah, in a song that wouldn't be out of place yeah. in like West Side Story. It has yeah. <laughs> it has the same level of toughness as the gangs running around snapping their fingers. Yeah, exactly. So it it definitely does have that kind of feeling to it. Um. Uh, which is maybe a little bit jarring, but also kind of, I guess, endearing because it's sort of his style. Yeah, and he he does it well enough. It is uh, he is an oddball in his own way. Yeah. Um, I had something. I think I had. He was influenced by certain like f- I want to say folk artists for this album, for Streetlight Serenade, which I think is apparent in this song particularly. It kind of plays like a like a like a folktale because it's all verses man there's no true even though chorus. it's not really a, a coherent story like narr- narrative of like yeah. a to b to c kind of thing um yeah it's more like a just a broad painting yeah it's like if you had a really big painting and you just looked at different parts of it yeah the other thing about street life serenade is like i don't know anything else off of this yeah i don't know a single other song off this there's a, and it was kind of put together pretty quickly because two of them are instrumental tracks and i think you know uh, that were kind of rushed together they're like under three minutes uh you got root beer rag and there's another one the mexican connection an instrumental track which i think served as the b-side to the entertainer mm-hmm. um yeah so this um, this is not an album he's well known for overall. The fact that The Entertainer is the peak of this album, I think, speaks to the quality of <laughs> the album overall. I do not think The Entertainer is a great song. I'll say that. Coming to it this week, though, I was more impressed than I remember being. Yeah, I think I've I've always liked this one. It was, it's on the greatest hits, but it's like not on all the greatest hits. Yeah, it's when you need a little extra space on the greatest hits. You yeah. put the entertainer on there. So, and I remember like knowing some Billy Joel and then getting one of the, you know, slightly larger greatest hits with this on it and really enjoying it. Like having already being into Billy Joel and then it comes in very energetically. And it's yeah. like fun to sing along to. It's just so many words and they're not necessarily hard to sing, but it's a lot of like rhyming and uh, I definitely have memories of singing this song with my brother, like on road trips. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. 
yeah, it's this is not the song you would introduce somebody to Billy Joel with. So for anyone listening to this episode for some reason and having never heard of Billy Joel before, sorry. <laughs> sorry, everyone. But Alex, you talked about singing those lyrics together. Let's talk about those lyrics because yeah, there's let's... a f- fucking ton of them. There are, yeah. There's five verses, six verses. There are five verses. Um, I am the entertainer, and I know just where I stand. Another serenader in another long-haired band. Today I am your champion. I may have won your hearts, but I know the game. You'll forget my name, and I won't be here in another year if I don't stay on the charts. Yeah, this kind of introduces the the first big idea of the uh, song. Perhaps which, the only big perhaps idea. Perhaps the only big idea. Um, which is this idea of like the fickleness of kind of the audience. Uh, which, as yeah. Billy Joel, who was a fairly... I mean, this is post-Piano Man, but still fairly new artist at the time, much less established. He, there's definitely a feeling of, like, you gotta appease the masses or just get left in the dust. Oh, well, yeah. And in some ways, he never really, like, beat Piano Man, you know? He is the like, Piano Man. He is the Piano Man, and that's... If you were to ask people a Billy Joel song first one that comes it's either gonna be that or it's gonna be we didn't start the fire yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're like um i get I, maybe just the way you are i don't know if that's as popular as i think it is but it's in shrek it's in bit. shrek you're right so, so it does have a little bit of shrek fame that was the first billy joel song i ever knew but i didn't know it was a billy joel song at the time okay yeah, uh, yeah. it was just the way you are and i didn't know what it's called until years later mm-hmm. the other one's the river of dreams that gets some radio play yeah, that does get some radio play. Fu- that uh, one's fun to sing along to as well. Because anyway, what a, getting distracted. What a history. Um, I want to talk about the lines today. I'm your champion. I may have won your hearts. Right. Um, because not only is he talking about the fickleness of the industry, but also the like the massive highs and the, the the huge value that is like instantly given in some sense and also instantly taken away. Today, I am your champion. That's huge, right? To be a champion. We think yeah, of like number one. Olympic athletes at champions. We think of... You're up on stage yeah, cheering. You're up Everyone's on stage. cheering for you. But he knows it's temporary and he needs to, you know, be consistent if he's going to be around. Um, also worth noting in this, because who the entertainer is does change throughout the song. Um, I mean, it's still him, but it kind of paints different points of a career, maybe. Because he says, here he's another serenader in another long-haired band, which is, so it's pretty common. And then you get to, like, verse um, three, or even verse, no, verse five, where you've heard his latest record on the radio. And that's, that seems to speak to a different kind of level of fame than being just another guy in another band. And in verse six, he's the idol of his age. Like, right, yeah. Although he is the champion. That's right, but that's a brief, temporary moment. Versus being like remembered. Yeah, uh, but even that, like, what we constantly come back to, he's like, yes, I, I have achieved these great heights. But if I, even, even if I release a stinker next year, that's it. I'm done. Right. Like, right. <laughs> well, so there every is, generation it's... does send a hero up the pop chart. That's right. That's what they always say. So yeah, that's the, the first verse that gives us the whole idea. I'm a musician. Uh, fame is fleeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which brings us to verse two. I am the entertainer and I've had my price to pay. I've had to pay my price, rather. The things I did not know at first, I learned by doing twice. 
Uh, but still they come to haunt me. Still they want their say. So I've learned to dance with a hand in my pants. Let them rub my neck and I write them a check and they go their merry way. I always just heard, and I rub my neck and write them a check. And picture just being this very like, oh, gee, okay. Yeah, I always picture that as well. Just like scratching the back of his neck and like, hmm. Oh, here's my money Which while he's dancing. Kind of like a weird, like the neck rubbing thing. I feel like it, it makes sense to me of like this action of like kind of semi-embarrassedly or like submissively almost rubbing the back of your neck and like agreeing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's like if we have like an idiom for that. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, like we certainly have like we the image of it because yeah. I think you and I and and hopefully the listener can all picture that pretty clearly. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> like I'm picturing but, Detective Gumshoe from from Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, so I hope that's not just a touch point that we have. Right. Well, I think it's it, it is among other cartoon characters. It's typically when when they've goofed, right? And they're like, yeah. they're like oh, geez, and then you. That he's so he's like almost paying the price for the mistake of being a musician, right? And being like, eh, my bad. Here's hey. some money, but then I think he does actually say, "Let him rub my neck," because I did catch it on these listens. So what's and so the idea thing? there, because I guess this whole verse is about him just having to pay heaps of money to to, to every right. Tom, Dick, and Harry, right? right? He's so they making come mistakes in, and he's learning. It's almost that like rough and tumble thing I was talking about earlier. You know, this is mm-hmm. his, like, School of Hard Knocks moment in this song. Yeah. Like but up. also the, yeah. the way of the industry being that some dickhead can just come by, rub your neck a little, which does nothing. I mean, relaxes you maybe a little, and he's like, well, I gotta write him a check now. And so, then, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. They go off their merry way, so it's a lot of paying dues in the, in the music industry, so... And it does kind of paint him as a like a rube. He's a champion in the first verse. Right, and now and he's being second... taken advantage of. Yeah, left, right, and center, right? Mm-hmm. What things do you think he didn't know at first? That he learned by doing twice? What does that really mean? I think it just means you try and fail, and then try again, but better the second time kind of thing. It's, right, it's, so it's, it's just super about persistence. General. Like, a lot of this song is super general. Fair enough. Um, it's not doesn't necessarily go the extra mile and say like like have anything really to say about fame beyond fa- you know it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. There's no like therefore moment. I don't think it's well because the thing is is that after those two lines he says but still they come to haunt me. So I guess the real question I'm asking is who are they? Oh. Yeah, I guess it's like, just like it's all these people who like like he he made mistakes, he was taken advantage of, but like can't let down his guard. It keeps happening. There's always going right. to be another person. So are his mistakes like the, the things he did not know at first like attaching himself to the wrong sort of like producers and labels and stuff? I and think it's just goes, ah. generally, yeah, being taken like people who would take advantage of him and he has to like find people he can trust. But he right, always so has he to course be corrects. on guard. But then he's still suffering from those mistakes because people he's attached with still want their say. Yeah, yeah, and there's just more people seeking him out. I guess that's something that comes up. People who you know entourage types who hang around famous people and try to get something out of it. That's right. Only care about the fame kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose that's exactly the type of people who would rub your neck and then and then get a check written. I'm like, hey, man, 
having, having seen the I'm hit HBO series Entourage, I know a little bit about Entourage. Yes, yeah, so I've now I've only seen the hit HBO series uh, Entourage <laughs> film. Uh, so I don't know the whole series, but I have a general idea. No, that's a pretty good summation of the series. Is that that film? Um, now, interestingly, there's also, like, Genius List, this verse he apparently does live. Yeah, I'd n I've never heard it before. Never heard of it. Do, do we want, I don't, do we want to read it out so people know about it, or should I, we just I skip actually, it entirely? I skipped it mentally. I didn't read it yet, so we could. Here, we'll give it a little read. I don't think it's a value. I think it's a good little, little flourish. Again, yeah. this is, we're talking about Billy Joel as a performer, and as, like, a, a sort of stage musician, as it were, like, yeah. this is what that speaks to. He right. says, I am the entertainer. I dress to fit the style. I wear all, I wear all kinds of sparkles. I flash the crowd my, my smile. And when the night is over and I stand without my clothes, perspiration stains and varicose veins. My eyes look shot. My belly's got a pot. Um, Somebody in a different part of Genius said the line is, and there's a pimple on my nose. So it's either there's a pimple on his nose or he's got a bit of coke on his nose. <laughs> Which is kind of a thing that happened sometimes. I remember reading, supposedly in uh, The Last Waltz, uh, they might have edited it out, but mm. there's versions where you can see like some coke hanging off of Neil Young's nose when he comes out. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that's associated with rock stars for sure. Right, and as we know, Billy Joel kind of pulls off of uh, music history. Yeah, for when, sure. When writing lines, so that wouldn't be... And that seems like something he's probably done as he's gotten older. The lines about his belly having a pot, his eyes looking shot. That seem, yeah, I that feel does like that's seem him poking like, fun at himself. Yeah, not necessarily in 73 or whenever this was. Um, I guess mm -hmm. the other thing about it, and this also ties into the, like, I've learned to dance with the hand in my pants line from the previous right. verse, um, is something that comes up again in um, Still Rock and Roll to Me, which is, yeah, again, just talking about appeasing the audience, but, like, having to act in a particular way. Right, I dress to fit the style. Yeah. Because you have to seem modern, and you kind of have to chase trends which seems like an absolute nightmare to me oh yeah and this yeah this is you're right it is very much in with in line with the theme of this song which is like the commercial demands placed upon art in this case musicians yeah and six verses of saying that in different ways in different ways which brings us to verse three i am the entertainer been all around the world i've played all kinds of palaces and laid all kinds of girls i can't remember faces i don't remember names uh but what the hell you know it's just as well because after a while and a thousand miles it all becomes the same i guess this is more specifically talking about just being on the road talking about yeah. radius how much sex he has sex being very associated with rock and roll Sex, drugs, and yeah, I, he's talking again about these great highs. Yeah, and then he he says, you know what? Honestly, though, it's all the same shit after you know a couple times. So yeah, again, everything going back together, to that. You don't remember anybody that first anyone. verse. He's like, today I am your champion. Even that idea of being a champion fades when it's this is just your job, right? Mm -hmm. You go to palaces, you play the song, you lay all the girls there, you forget their faces and names, you move on to the next place. <laughs> Yeah, which is also, like, part of the, like, rock and roll myth. Mythos, yeah. Mythos, that's it. Uh, thing, you know. And then everything blends together, and you talk about being on the road. Mm-hmm. As it were. Yeah, you know what? You hear less in today's rock and roll mythos about 
getting laid a bunch, but definitely still a lot about being on the road, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's just, I mean, there's a lot of sex in music, definitely. Oh, But for maybe sure. it's just less in rock and roll. Yeah, maybe maybe the 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 sex party has moved from rock or and roll. Or part of it maybe that uh, I've gotten older and I'm listening to more mature older. artists. Yes, that might be it too. Um, obviously, there's like less of what this kind of style of rock and roll, uh, music, or maybe more guitar driven stuff. But also, um, more poppy genres nowadays are more explicit about sexual content versus like this old school way of like dancing around the subject you know i don't know i've laid all kind of girls is pretty much right on the nose pretty on the nose like there's no there's no mystery there generally i don't know yeah i think i'm not exactly maybe it's just about what the news media covers because maybe i'm just thinking about how you know you hear all the stories around oh and they were out there it was was mass allergies all the time but News covers pop artists, not rock and roll artists anymore. Right. So that's where the sex is now. Right. That's where you got to uh, go for it. That's right. So let's talk about verse four. So verse three, about, about kind of like how being a, an entertainer is like any other goddamn job in that it's becomes monotonous after a while. Right. Uh, verse 4 says, I am the entertainer. I bring to you my songs. I'd like to spend a day or two, but I can't stay that long. No, I've got to meet expenses. I got to stay in line. Got to get those fees to the agencies. And I'd love to stay, but there's bills to pay. So I just don't have the time. Yeah, and we already introduced this like hectic environment in the previous verse. Mm-hmm. And now he's talking about, once again, he might like to spend more time with people, make some deeper connections, and not forget everything. But yeah. he can't because it's expensive to be on the road. You can't be idle because, you know, you're still paying people or whatever. That's right. And you can't just get those fees to the agencies. Blow a bunch of money because, I mean, you'll probably have to write another check. Exactly. Get his neck rubbed or whatever. So, yeah, he, the, the cost of being a musician, again, forces him to be a musician full time, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I guess um, is, I mean... Yeah, it's like a, any other job. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, the hours may be better or worse, depending on what, how, how it's scheduled. I don't know. I've never True. been an entertainer. Yeah, could be a 24-7 thing. Yeah. Um, come to verse 5. I am the entertainer. I come to do my show. You've heard my latest record. It's been on the radio. Yeah. It took me years to write it. They were the best years of my life. It was a beautiful song, but it ran too long. If you're going to have a hit, you got to make it fit. So they cut it down to 305. That's it. That's the line. <laughs> That's the line. I'm going to put some fucking Podcast ear over. in there. <laughs> uh, yep, that's it. Fifth verse. Um, I've always that's heard, you've heard my latest record spin on the radio. Ah. Uh, which I think could, some of the versions say that explicitly. And I'm not convinced this one doesn't say that, but that's what I've always heard. And that's a, I like that line, I like that if that's better. what it is. Yeah. yeah, you heard my latest record spin on the radio. Cause that's which I mean, yeah. yeah, it's also pretty close to just like saying it's been. Spin. Yeah, but it sounds cooler. Like I don't know. Yeah, You're referencing just the because that's what you would say, right? That's that's a legitimate slang term, I think. Yeah, I, Billy Joel's the kind of person yeah. who I think would throw that in. Spin on the radio. Um, yeah, and of course he wrote this song, poured his his whole 
self into it kind of thing. It was amazing. He he gave up the best years of his life to create this song. You know, it was his magnum opus, and they said, ah, too long, cut it down. <laughs> exactly, right? This is the really art and and capitalism butting heads mm-hmm. in, in this verse is and being like, yeah, you've heard this. Took me forever to write it. It's it's really I poured my heart and soul to this, and they're like, get get rid of all this other shit in here. Get it down to the three minute mark. Too long, yes. And Too of course, this song long. not even doesn't even follow that rule. No, it's uh, I think it was listed as being that length because I think the single version was around three ten or something, but they put it as three oh five. They're being cheeky. Just pretended there were five seconds that didn't exist. Yeah. You think you could cut five seconds out of a song? Maybe it's not that easy. It can't be that easy, man. Uh, gonna have a hit. You gotta make it fit. So they cut it down to three oh five. That's the entertainment rule, everyone. Three oh five. You know it. Maybe now you know it because we told now you. You know it. I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you probably know the song, so you know it. Uh... So you all know it. Y'all know it. Which brings us to the final unique verse because then we just yes. repeat the first verse verse six i am the entertainer the idol of my age i make all kinds of money when i go on the stage i have seen me in the papers i've been in the magazines but if i go cold i won't get sold i'll get put in the back in the discount rack like another can of beans like another can of beans like another can of beans <laughs> yeah and that's kind of again like the first verse. Right? Yeah. Like, once again, like, he's talking about being the champion, but if he's not consistent, he'll get forgotten. This is like, this also kind of funny idea of what he was talking about before. He's pouring everything into these this music, you know? But then mm-hmm. it's just, oh, you know, it's on sale. <laughs> Beside the beans. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's just I'm... a commodity. Yeah, one of those $5 CDs that they just throw in a, a fucking bucket at Walmart. And you're like, oh, okay. Or, oh, cool. where did we go in Enderby? What was that place called? I don't remember. Oh. They um, had like $3 CDs. Anyway. That's right, yeah. Enderby, <laughs> British Columbia. Shout out to Enderby, BC. Enderby, British Columbia. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, it is basically a repeat of the first verse. The key difference being, I think, how he refers to himself. Instead of being another serenader in another long-haired band, and I already mentioned this, he's now the idol of my age. Yeah, making Who's been crazy in the papers money. and magazines, who makes crazy money. Which seems to suggest that ultimately, no matter what step of your career you're at, you're, in his eyes at least, just as fucked. Yeah, just as disposable. Yeah. As and I suppose in a, in a sense he's right, at least in terms of being in the public eye, but I mean, right, if you like make he's... all kinds of money when you go on the stage, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, like he's still Billy Joel, obviously. He is established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, not really popular with a modern audience. And he hasn't been making music for a couple decades now. Yeah. Really. I think he had like an instrumental album <laughs> or something yeah, twenty years ago. Right. Let's see. But uh I just I remember he I saw an interview with him where he said something like he has twelve albums and he said that's what the Beatles had, so I didn't think I needed any more. And that was like nineteen ninety three. Not that's not right, the interview, but that Dreams. was when his last like okay. full album yeah. came out. 
Yeah, because everything after that is live albums and stuff. Yeah, yeah like he's live. still tours. He was on The Art of McCartney, I think. Like, So he's done a bit of recording, but not like an album. He covers. Mm-hmm. And obviously touring his material a, a ton or enough. Yeah. I, I remember he came to Calgary when we were in junior high school, and I didn't really know him at the time. So I didn't go, but I would have. Yeah, wasn't he here with Elton John? Which would have been Am a pretty cool show. Yeah, I think, yeah, that I think they nuts. did tour together. Because they were friends to some degree, or at least enough to tour together, right? Uh, two dudes who both play. It was just like a cost-efficiency thing. You put one piano yeah. on the stage, get yeah. two headliners. <laughs> Half as many pianos, twice as many performers. But no, that would be cool to see. Yeah, would have been a good show. Um, my English teacher went to that show. My social, well, I mean, social studies teacher, I think. A couple nice. of our teachers went to that show at the time. Hell yeah. We had a lot of common teachers. That's true. Shout out to teachers. Isn't that big a school? No. No, it wasn't. But I'll tell you this, that's the song. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, we talk about songs sometimes on here that, that feel like they're a young man's song. I will say that this is like a, an early, it sounds like an early, it sounds like what you would put on the second album you release, right? This is like the fears of, oh, I'm never going to make it. Right. This Y'all is, know me I now. I've had some, some success, but like what happens now? What happens now? Even if I make it to the, the peaks, if I'm the idol of my age, like. I'm just I'm one bad move away from being in the discount rack and being yeah. irrelevant. And there's plenty of examples. That's right. And here's a list of them all. <laughs> yes, let's uh, list all um... one-hit wonders. <laughs> I mean, that's not fair. Like a lot of those people go on to have pretty good careers. Like we talked about Biz Marquee two weeks ago, and he's. He he did a lot after his one hit one. True, I guess he. I mean, hits are just one way of measuring success, and I'm sure. I mean, for a lot of reasons outlined in this song, you might not mm-hmm. want to have multiple hits. Like if you chance upon one, chasing another one is probably exhausting and terrible. Terrible for yeah. a lot of a lot of artists. Like you just keep doing what you want to do, and great, you had a hit, but like, if that's not really what you're out for. Probably not a thing you want to chase. That's right. All right. Well, that's the lyrics. Let's talk about these sweet, sweet noises, Alex. Yeah, let's talk about some sounds. Um, as you know, there's no, there's no chorus. It's mm-hmm. all verses. Um, other than they kind of have that first line, "I am the entertainer." Uh, and yeah, that's a, like the refrain, I guess. Yeah, I guess there's a ton of like building of instruments throughout yeah it's a constant ramp up with each verse or at least a change up i guess it is a ramp up in a sense but some definitely ramp it up more than others that's for sure um so we open with this uh sort of rhythm acoustic guitar this very fast guitar strumming which i think is part of why i would it appealed to me very uh very early on when listening right. to it it's just i don't know it's it's a very energetic song it is very dry and you need it you need that energetic guitar because what comes in next is this fucking <laughs> wild synthesizer yes there's the synth the synth riff it's 
pretty, yeah, high pitched and. And there's your synthesizer. It comes back later, but that's it. It comes for back now. later on a few like transitions, but it, it's mm-hmm. if you had that going the whole time, you wouldn't it would be, be able a to lot. listen to anything else. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and interesting because I do, like I said earlier, I think he's trying to establish like a folk vibe, and somehow that synth kind of works with that because it's sort of almost amateurish it's pretty early synthesizer too it is pretty early synth this is 1974 so it's yeah the fact that he's using it at all is pretty wild i think there's something something about the sound of it like it's trying to sound pastoral or something but (laughs) while being a space instrument yeah (laughs) not trying to do that space thing um but going into the verse, like it just really goes with that, that strumming for now, anyway. Yeah. Um, and then at near the end, it kind of leads the next verse. What kind of the changes? So like the the bass and drums come in there, and then he makes that like <laughs> sound. That's right. <laughs> Between verses, I don't know something he does. Um, and <laughs> the second verse is where uh, an electric guitar comes in. It's a little twangy. Yeah. There's some sliding around. It doesn't do a whole lot. It's really only the first half of that verse. Um, but this is, that's where it gets introduced. It comes back later. That's right. And that's, that's kind of what amps up that, this uh, verse plus the addition of bass and drums. Yes, and then actually after the guitar leaves, the drums kind of move up to the cymbals, like more high right. cymbals. So I guess that sort of fills that space too. So there's there's a build like throughout the verse too. Yeah, there's uh like it never goes, it never drops. Like you're right in that sometimes the increase in in like intensity is not as huge, but it never seems to drop back down. Yeah, even when it like to... kind of does a breakdown later on. Yeah. It's it's like a, a breakdown for emphasis. It's not for, like, let's chill now. Exactly. Yeah, so then you get a drum roll to the uh, the third verse where we get in heavier piano chords. Yes, the piano should... playing these big block chords. And the, mm-hmm. the twangy guitar, I believe, is playing along, although the piano is the most audible thing. That's right, yeah. And then it also does the, like, that's that's this one right yeah i believe yeah. that's correct there's yes. like several quick courses i played all kinds of pals da-da-da-da. Lissus. he says Lissus yeah. in there but i was doing the piano at the same time so i only said pal oh. yeah uh, but yeah lots of those big block chords big block chords there's like a drum fill after late all kind of girls <laughs> oh so yeah some of these little emphasis moments within the verse mm-hmm and then this is when we get the, the synth back for a transition. Yes, it comes in a little bit. But that's not all that comes in here. No, sir. The banjo. We got a banjo. Yeah, so enter, enter in like a synth, out like a banjo, as the famous saying goes. That's what we say. Yeah, but there's a ton of that like banjo picking. Yeah, so you get this like, it starts out slow, and then once we hit that verse, it's full on. <laughs> yeah, so that's your in- that's pretty intense for this part. Also, there's like no piano there. 
Yeah. So we do actually lose the piano because the banjo has such energy. Yeah, you don't need the piano. Yet. Yet. Everything's coming back, don't you worry. Oh, yeah. In the fifth verse. Yeah. In the fifth verse. Ton of ton more piano here. It's like, um, more like ragtimey almost. Like, it's it's playing, not block chords. It's playing, like, notes and chords. Oh, yeah. Consistently. It's, it's going all over the map here. Like, I don't even know what it does, it, It's but it's a lot of stuff. This is, he's the piano man here. This is his piano man moment. Yeah, this is him piano manning. Um, this is also the 305 rule. Verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I also thought the bass was doing some cool stuff in this verse. It does actually get to do some cool stuff. It's never like super prominent. Maybe more so on the transitions, some of the earlier transitions, but mm-hmm. it is doing some stuff. It's doing, doing things. Yeah, he does little, like, kind of like walks. He's it's got not some just like playing roots. He's notes. going down. Yeah. He's keeping the groove he's his work alive. Earning his paycheck on this one. Yeah. And now the sixth verse. Sixth verse is very busy. The banjo comes back. We got that twangy yeah. guitar. I think it's actually just those two things. But it's definitely those two things. Yeah, you got like that country guitar, you got the banjo in, and like it sounds like Billy Joel has to sing harder as a result of there being more instruments in the mix. He's definitely singing harder. He's definitely yeah. upping his I guess we didn't mention his vocal much, but he's definitely upping his energy. Particularly on the outro verse, which is next, but yeah. here as well. This is where he starts it up. Yeah. And then and then we just get the wildest fucking synth. Yeah, between. it's kind of <laughs> Like, it's the intro synth, but then it kind of goes off script and stops playing the riff. Yeah. And then, yeah, the outro is the one you were talking about. It's a breakdown, but with emphasis. Yeah, uh, I don't even know if, like, I called it a breakdown, but I'm not even sure if that's the correct word. Because it's just, it's that, like, style of, like, everyone hits a thing, and then as it rings out, he just sings his heart out. Yeah, it's like a, I don't it's know, like, like a cliff version. notes of the yeah. notes they should play. It's like, hit this. These are the important beats to hit, and we're going to hit those really hard. I am the entertainer. Boom, boom. Yeah, it's like chords and then some like leading things in between for the transition between the chords. Yeah, exactly. And you get that move again from the the palaces line. Right, yep, that's a big one. So yeah, all of the ones that punch and like emphasize things are in. Everything else that just does like rhythm is out. Yeah, no, no rhythm, just exciting chords. Yeah, nothing's here to keep time. It's just big, exciting chords. Yeah, and who cares about the time? It's all on one guy for the most part because he's just singing. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Now, time is still important. If, I lied. If there was any song I would ever expect to have a false ending, it wouldn't be The Entertainer, and it certainly wouldn't involve a big, dumb synth. Because it kind of... Has a false ending. It's like it's just like a touch. I like because it goes and, and then, it holds yeah. and you're like, okay, that's the end. That's and the then end. it goes <laughs> You're like, that must be it, right? And then it goes <laughs> That's true. It does kind of fake it out a bit, but it's not like there's a minute afterwards or anything. But yeah, it does. No. It does and it, it lets it fade down. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that's it. It's a it's a it's a bunch of verses. I guess yeah, I can see that kind of like folky feeling to it because it really is a story about a 
rock star, a performer mm-hmm. at least, an entertainer in a long-haired band. And he had pretty long hair back then. It looks weird because I know what he looks like now. I know. I saw. I, I wanted to see if there was a music video. There's just like a, a live performance of it. And he, he had long hair like you had in, in junior high where it just puffs out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I do recall. Which is funny. But yeah, it's, it's, it's funny out because he's like bald now, isn't he? Yes. Yes, he is. And he's got like a goatee. That's right. So that's. He looks quite different. He's got the he's got the belly he was talking about. That's right. And the, the varicose veins. I always notice those. Yes. Very prominent varicose <laughs> veins under his suit. That's right. <laughs> um all right, Alex. Anything else to say about the original here? No, I think that covers it. Okay. Speaking of covers, we're gonna get into some, but first, as we've often mentioned the the entertainer rule, cutting things down to three oh five. Uh, and in our own quest to sort of make this podcast a more digestible length, uh, we're now trying. We're for this episode, we'll be trying the, the the entertainer challenge ourselves. Which means, for each cover today, we are only going to dedicate three minutes and five seconds to the discussion thereof. Uh, yes, total, not three oh five each, just three oh five total. <laughs> so, in order to facilitate this process, I have a timer on my phone. I'll be using. Um, in between each song here, Alex, I think we're gonna take take a moment to take a look at our notes. Um, so we'll we'll have like a pause between each song to take a look at the notes to breathe, so we can know to breathe, know what we want to say, and then we'll get into it. All right, so we're starting off the covers with Helen Reddy in 1978. Alex, what do you think about Helen? All right, well, what do I think about this one? It's kind of more like a big band thing. Like, you can picture it. Like, she's on a stage, and it's all red. There's curtains everywhere, and there's a big yeah. band. And it's faded because it's old school film. That's, that's the vibe of this one, but there's no actual video. That's, that's just, it's, it's, yeah, more, more theatrical, I guess. There is actually a video of her singing this, oh, I but we won't, we won't get into that because... I was just, no, we won't get into it at all. Um, she's an Australian-American singer, songwriter, author, actor, and activist. She just died last year. Rest in peace. She started singing at age four. There's some background. So, yeah, like you said, big band. The big thing here is instead of an outlandish synth, we get outlandish brass. We kind of center the song around this. So that's your big note. And like you said, she sings in a big sort of like show tune stage style, similar to Liza Minnelli when we've talked about her. In yes, the yes, it has a similar feeling to that. The kind of like a show tune background sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's live at the Palladium in London, so you do get some applause off the bat. And at the end. And at the end, that's, that's um, true. I guess the other like cool thing in this one that i thought was cool um the it does do like the synth riff but it plays it on the strings this is for some of the transitions between verses um, that's right and it sounds very smooth i really like the way it sounds on the strings Mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty nice yeah um so that's pretty cool but generally uh kind of does its own um build and switches verses around that's right. She opens up with the 305 yeah. verse. Starts with the fifth verse and then like goes into the 
the fourth verse and then the sixth one. So it's quite a bit shorter. It's just over two minutes. Mm-hmm. But and uh, like yeah. the verses themselves are pretty like they they do a similar increase to the original, but it starts off pretty muted. It's just some easy piano rhythm, and then eventually you get some like horn stings after lines, and then it's just yeah. consistent brass. Yeah, so you get a sort of orchestral swell. Yeah, it makes the the horns make it pretty like and strings uh, make it feel like really crunchy in at least in that like final verse she does or her she when she sings the sixth verse which is her second last verse yeah but she still does a really big um outro verse which is the first verse so yeah she her orders all around the place but yeah she's got most of the verses in there and she crushes this into two minutes and eight seconds so she's well beneath the entertainer rule yes definitely she's like alex we got 20 seconds left so bear that in mind as you go Uh, what is left what is left Uh, i'm panicking um (laughs) horns Horns, lots of them, dude. Just tons. So yeah, big show tune kind of vibes, big band vibes. Uh, not bad overall. That's my thoughts. Yeah, she does a pretty good job of of varying up the verses and uh, keeps the musical content interesting. And she's in and out pretty quick. There you go. All right, Alex. That was three minutes five seconds. Very nice. Okay, so we're gonna pause, take a look at her notes for the next one here. Yeah, I want to look up this video. Yeah, it's just her singing, like, almost exactly as you described. A bit of a different stage, but there's no band as well. 70s pop. My favorite thing, though, is the description of the video. Where, uh, a they vibrant say, Here is a vibrant performance of the Billy Joel Pentune, the entertainer. Notice the incredible choreography she exhibits, along with solid vocals. She does do some... She does choreography? move a little bit. Like, <laughs> to call it choreography is generous. All right, we're talking about Sheena Easton in 1983. Sheena Easton, Scottish singer, songwriter, and actor. Um, she does the James Bond theme for Your Eyes for Only. Your she also had her only. own song called 9 to 5 released before the Dolly Parton song. That's right. Um, briefly I think they it. they added a different title onto it for the American release, like Morning Train or something, nine to five. Very different vibe. Uh speaking of very different vibes, this one really leans into I guess what some people would call that eighties, like cheesy synth It rock. does so seem get... more eighties, but it doesn't really have I mean, it sounds more guitar like to me. Is that a synthesizer? Um, I mean I think it's synth yeah. off the bat, isn't it? I guess it? so. But you're right in that, like, similar to the original, like, the synth isn't consistent throughout. Yeah. There is, there's both going on, is I think yeah, what's happening. Think so. so there's that guitar shredding, and then there's a little support by the synth. Yeah, and, I mean, and her outfit in this, she's, like, got this frilly pink shirt with a massive yeah. collar and, like, a sequined silver collar. vest and gold sequined belt and, like, purple tights and these high boots. Yeah. It's yeah. wild. It's fucking rad. Um... I was very distracted in this one by her performance. Because she, she, she makes like around. a lot of faces. She dances a lot. She does big eyes. Yes, she does do big eyes. I saw an interview with her. For, mm-hmm. Not about this, but it was like a more recent one. Where she was making fun of her own dancing ability. So clearly she is kind of known a little bit for not being like the best dancer. But this is kind of what she does, I guess. Right. 
it seems to me like she's having a lot of fun, but I'm going to try does. not to focus on the video so much here. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's difficult. Like we've kind of said, real electric guitar kind of like 80s rock focus filtered through pop. Yeah. But uh, you get kind of just like some distorted rhythm. There's sometimes a bit of synth in the back and some drums going on. Like that's pretty much the big emphasis. Yeah. And the other thing this one does is it uh, like the instruments speed up in the in the back half of the, the verses. When they, mm-hmm. she does the the faster rhyming, you know the game. I forget my name. It, the the instruments actually pick up with that. So I thought that was kind of a cool addition. Yeah, that's right. But it also uh, mixes the verses around a bit. Um, yeah, and like which I pretty much just the second verse is first half, second verse, second half, third verse, and squishes that together. So I don't know if that's just like the single version of it. Yeah, kind of thing. I'm not sure. Um, worth noting, this one also follows the entertainer rule. It's only three minutes and four seconds. Uh, it also is only available on YouTube, so there's like no good quality version of this. Yeah, so the audio quality is not fantastic, but I think being able to see the music video makes up for it a lot. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I don't have much else to say about the music, honestly. Honestly, yeah, pa- I like her voice. I think she sings it really yeah. well. Yeah. She sounds like Sheen Easton. She does that thing where she goes into her like low register for a little bit. Yeah, right at the end of the lines. Yeah. Sheila Boobs. It's the best. And um, that's three yeah. minutes and five seconds. Ah. And we are talking about Waylon Jennings in 1984. Waylon Jennings is an American singer, songwriter, and musician, founder of the outlaw movement in country, which was not about necessarily breaking the law, but fighting against the Nashville establishment of country sound, which was very different at the time. Um, he left high school at age 16 to become a musician. He gave up his seat on the 1959 plane crash that killed Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens. Go, Alex. What do you think about this version? Uh, well, it's much more country. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's such a natural fit, I think, for this as well. Yeah, I guess with country. the attitude. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it works. Um, the sound overall feels very smooth because he's kind of strumming yes. the guitar throughout, but it's very, like, continuous. And it's not uh, jerky like, like in the original. Yeah, it's, uh, it's much more calm than the sort of energetic feel mm-hmm. of the original. Um, and, of course, more, more twangy sound on the guitar. For sure, It's yeah. country, of course. Um, one of the things he does, and this is the third verse, talking about playing all kinds of, places he skips the he skips only one letter but it's not palaces (laughs) yeah that's right he does change that up and you know what i feel like that is a better fit for a a country version of this right he's still a star but he's not like stadiums yeah you know i played all kind of places yeah he's just blue collar or whatever he's wearing on this album artwork yeah maybe it's just a duster but it's like that kind of of collar yeah. But uh, yeah, so this one is sort of more laid back energy overall. Still got a driving rhythm behind it. Of course, you got some extra guitars to fill in the space that'd be occupied by pianos yep. and other things. Yep. Although there is a bit of piano in later on. That's true. It does yes. do some build. So mostly synth, I guess I'm talking about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And because there's not a banjo on this, but you do get country guitar vibes. Um, also, some vocal harmonies, pretty typical of country. Um, not like consistent throughout but it does add a little bit of flavor here and there yeah but it it never gets like too too intense no 
Uh, skips the fourth verse because I assume he just doesn't ever want to stay anywhere. Yeah. Never feels like staying with people, which is cool. It's fine. That's right. This one also obeys the 305 entertainer rule. Oh, yeah. it's it's Yeah, he really cooks through this one, too. He yeah, he jokes. certainly does. Which I guess Helen Reddy kind of does as well. Yeah, she does it arguably faster than he does. But uh, arguably. yeah, I guess just given the, the, the laid back vibe of this, having it move so quickly is surprising. Like, oh, shit. Doesn't seem like he's trying to move that quick, but he's, he's moving quite fast. He's got long musical legs, as it yeah. were. And he even gives it some time to play out at the end. Yeah, he just does. Just playing the like... And that sounds a lot faster than it is, but it's kind of like... It's kind of fast when the, the sound it's making at the end. Just kind of like yeah, strumming like 100%. a string or something. And he and says, and the entertainer. That's 305. <laughs> How are you feeling, man? How's this going for it's you? It's going okay. 305 is like a bit short, but honestly, probably not. It's a bit tight, but we are, I think, doing good. Yeah, covering like the main points. I think like an extra minute, minute and a half, we'd be golden. Yeah, I time. mean, if we did like five minutes or something like that, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be a bad limit. That wouldn't be a bad limit. Um, maybe we'll play with that next week. But yeah. this week, it's all about the 305, baby. It's all about 305. So, the year is now 1988, and we're talking about Amaya. A Spanish singer from Bilbao in northern Spain. Yes, this one's all in Spanish too. So I did look up. Did you look up the lyrics? Um, I did not. How did, different like, are they? Uh, they're pretty si- similar. Uh, this one's called uh, cantante, cantante, which is singer in Spanish, okay. basically. Um, this one's a little very similar, a little different in terms of the focus. It's more about feels more like personal, I guess. About like they mm. they really seem to be trying to appease people. That's, okay. That's the idea I got, but like they're kind of getting hurt. Right. Ah, it's more about the emotional struggle yeah. rather than just like the, 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 the general struggle. That's how it feels to me. And then there's some more stuff later on that's like maybe a little more affirming. Talk about like being, just being a woman is more important than being a good singer. That's a line in the song. Okay. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, like don't lose yourself kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So. That's, that's interesting. That's a that's a kind of a neat take. Um, so the, overall, this one has a sort of thinner noise to it. Overall, I would say you get guitar, you get the synth, you get some drums and bass, but it's all kind of very trebly. There's not a large yeah. band of sound on this. That's true. Although it does still do a lot of the same stuff or a lot of similar things. For the yeah, hundred percent. Um, there's one big difference I think, and that is it yes. adds like this little piano solo thing. Um, mm-hmm. After the third verse is da, 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 which to me That's right. sounds a little bit more like um, like prelude, the angry young man, like the prelude part of that. Oh from yeah, the next Billy Joel album, Turnstiles. Do you think that is an intentional reference? I don't know, but it reminds me of that. Yeah, wouldn't be wouldn't be out of the question, and that is pretty neat. Um, I got no time to listen to that though. Uh, yeah. What else happens? That that solo happens twice, doesn't it? It does. It comes in uh, closer to the end, after the sixth verse, before the outro. Yeah, um, kind of filling the role of the the synth transitions almost, but bigger, like more time. Yes, there. and they don't like they do do the synth though. They still have the synth. 
That's right. They do. Um, they don't have banjo, which is yeah, that's fair. I I don't blame them yeah. for not wanting that's to throw fair. banjo in there. But it really is quite close structurally. But it has a different mm-hmm. sound. It sounds more eighties, like you said. It sounds a bit thinner, higher frequencies. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, you're listening to it in Spanish. She's got they got a different whole style there, and I think she she does a good job singing on this. It's it's nice to listen to it. True, and I feel like I just want to talk more about these lyrics, but I. Hit it with I was me, planning on not seconds. having. What else t- do well, you want to say? Yeah, I don't actually have any more notes on it. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I'm. I feel bad for not looking it up now. I should have done that. Versus us, but it's still pretty similar, you know. Yeah. Um. At, at one point, it sounds like the guitar wants to get in on the solo in the second half, but it just like can't reach the volumes, and that is three and a half minutes. Okay, Christian Muirman in 2007. Here we go. I'm the entertainer, and I know just where I stand. Another serenader and another long-haired man. Today I am your champion. I may have won your hearts, but I know the game. Uh, Finnish singer and a finalist in the third season of the Finnish Idol in 2007. Uh, also participated in the Eurovision Song Contest in 2008. Um, let's face it. Let's be real with ourselves. Let's be honest. This was done for Idol, so the backing track is all made to sound as close to the original as possible. Yes, and it very, pretty much very does. Close. Same stuff. It, has the banjo. Has uh, it, honestly, it doesn't even sound much cheaper, to be, to be real no, with yeah, you. It's, it's fine. Uh, what I was actually it's pretty su- well on par. I was, what I was surprised by was that they actually have the whole thing in. Because yeah. Idol often cuts things down. And I know 337 is not that long, but, I mean, you've got, like, TV restrictions of an episode. I would expect yeah. it to be shorter. And I mean, we're talking about the 305 rule this whole week. Worth, worth noting, since I think we have a little spare time with this one. Yeah. Cantante, the last one, was 4 minutes 20 seconds, so much longer than the 305. Yes. This one is also longer. over the 305 limit. But, like, super close to the original length, too. Like, the original mm-hmm. was 340. It's 337. It's close enough. Close enough. Close enough. So, really, when we're talking about this version, we're talking about Christian's uh vocals yes he, what what does he sound like uh, he's got he's, he's a little raspy. growly he's got a bit yeah. of gravel yeah but a rasp he's definitely yeah does the raspy thing got a bit of an accent Finish. yeah and it's uh, uh i always find like the Finnish ones and ones from that area kind of tough to distinguish at first but then you, you hear it in I don't know. You you hear it in the broad strokes or something it's it's a different accent right i guess it's, it's one the I'm not vowels, used to right yet. a lot of the vowels yeah a lot of that vowel work. Um, yeah, don't mind his voice. Uh, that said, there's not a lot yeah. else going on here, man. I mean, like, there's one little change I wrote down. It's when he says, uh, charts. Won't stay oh, on yeah. the charts. He, he goes up instead of, won't stay on the charts. Like, that kind of oh, thing. Oh, that That's is a different Pretty much move. it. Pretty much but, it. But, I mean, the, the point of these contestants is contests is to follow the original very closely or that's right that's often what happens or to yeah well you do that and then you flex your voice within it yeah um yeah that said i don't know i probably still listen to the billy joel one over this yeah not I'm, that he's a bad singer but yeah. he's fine he's fine it's not um, a ton Alex, of like got... personality in this one that comes no not from really him. and that, but he does it that comes with idols yeah. yeah um with these last 30 seconds alex is there anything from the past versions you want to bring up that you, you <laughs> didn't have a chance no i'm like yeah, just cheat a little you're not going to cheat. All right. I could. No, I, I don't uh, have anything on deck. Nothing on deck. Um, 
Christian Meerman. How do you think that's pronounced? Do you think it's actually pronounced Merman? I've been th- <laughs> Merman. No, I've been saying just like Meerman. Meerman. Okay. Kind of that sounds good. Doing that sort of a stress. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. That's so uh, we got three seconds, two second, one second, and there we go. Three oh five. I guess the goal was just to be under three oh five. We could have just not necessarily stopped. to hit three oh five. To hit three oh five. Oh well. We did it. We did it. All right. We're talking about Jessica Vosk in twenty eighteen. I am the entertainer and I know just where I stand. Another serenader and another long head band. Today I am your champion. I may have won your heart. Now she's an American singer, actor, and musical theater uh performer known for playing Elphaba and Wicked in twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen, I think also in twenty sixteen. Yeah, she like and toured th- it and then she did it on Broadway for a while kind of thing. That's right. And this is musical theater, man. It definitely is. Yeah. And it fits pretty well. We talked about the the similarities. Yeah. Uh, Like the space Billy Joel occupies allows this interpretation of his music very easily. Yeah. And I mean, there was even a bit of that in Helen Reddy. That's right. Yeah. Different, like a different era of it. But yeah, definitely. Definitely a different era. Yeah definitely different era this is a much more modern version um there's an emphasis on a driving rhythm in the verses yeah i notably not just that but it, it starts on a with a, on a much like higher place as well like that mm-hmm. there's that that rhythm at all because the original was just the guitar the that's right we get drums we get uh that driving rhythm played on the piano as well as it's doing the synth riff yeah it, it, there's so there's a lot of stuff going on Mm-hmm. Um, the synth riff sounds interesting. It reminds me of some of the like virtuoso versions of songs I've heard, where they just throw in a bunch of extra notes and chords. Right. And yeah. Just hard, harder to play. Whereas the original is just like single notes, basically. This is brown down, brown on a brown, like mm-hmm. <laughs> lots of lots of notes. A little showier, show tune. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, it's meant to, and that's uh, yeah, again, show tune. Like it's meant to flex. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, look at us performing. Which which fits in well with the the song itself being about being an entertainer, a performer. Yeah. Um, worth noting, this song is a medley. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John is tacked in in the middle. Yeah, it slows First, down significantly. I forgot it was a medley, and I was like, "Damn, she's really taking it down." And then it's just a different song. And then it's just a different song, and then she cuts back to entertainer, which is maybe a Wicked reference. Oh, maybe, yeah. Like is this, I don't know if the Yellow Brick Road be... plays into Wicked, but it, it must, right? Right, yeah, because it's it's in that universe, and it'd be a key identifying feature. Yeah. Um, what else happens? She has a little some similarities to Sheena Easton. Uh, mm-hmm. The the music, uh, the guitar kind of speeds up a bit in the back half of the some of the verses when they're doing the fast rhyming, similar to mm-hmm. Sheena Easton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Similar, yeah. That was the one I was reminded of a lot, and I'm trying to figure out if there's a really good reason or if they're just like both female vocals. But mm, I think that's probably the it. thing: is the speeding up. Yeah, um, and that speeding up is uh backed up by the the music again as well. There, uh, that driving rhythm changes into just like big energetic stings. Dun, 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 dun. So it's there. That's what. Yeah, yeah it's there. And uh, um, I mean, and she sounds good. She's like a, a yeah. trained musical theater performer. And that's 305. There you go. 
I did not finish that thought. That's okay. I thought I could get it in. <laughs> All right. So that is our final song for today's episode, which brings us to our final verdicts today. We have three categories, the worst version, the best version, and the most entertaining version. That's right, baby. That's the third category. Alex, what's the worst version of this and why? the worst version of this? You know, I, I didn't think any of them, like, super stood out to me as, like, being really, really good. Mm-hmm. Or really, really bad either. Yeah, it was a fairly uh, a middling mix, yeah. I guess I'd say. Like, uh, None of them really excited me. The one that was probably the worst... I mean, this might not be totally fair, but I think it was Christian Muirman just because it's kind of an unexciting talent show version. Yeah, it's it's truly just the version that did the least, yeah, it right? It doesn't really put its own sound or personality into it. It just kind of performs it. And he does it. fine. Yeah. Like his voice is pretty good. He's a good singer. I'm not going to deny that. But it, this version doesn't really show much off beyond that. No, you're right. Technically fine, but uh, like it's uh, of these versions of which there is not, like you said, there's not a lot of standout. It is a, the most forgettable, and for that, you know, and and like the the backing tracks built to to mirror the original, so we're already uh, hampering ourselves in terms of creativity and what we can do there, right? So yeah, it's got to be Christian Mirrorman, but it's not it's not a bad title to have this week, but hey. There you go. Alex, what's the best version? What is the best version? Hmm. Didn't think any of them were like that great. Uh but but on that curve, grading on that curve, which one is the best version? You know, I I think I'm gonna throw it to to Helen Reddy, which feels a little Fair weird, choice. but I I mean it's fun, uh, different sound than the other ones. You know, it's got the strings, it's got the the brass. It definitely yeah. painted a picture of a, a specific style more than the other ones to me. For sure, it definitely made larger moves, and I think like in the context of the song, it really it fit quite comfortably. It's and like it's oh yeah, she cool is the entertainer. Version of the riff on strings that I I think was a was a good uh, arrangement of that. Yeah, that's fair, a good answer. Maybe even the right answer this week, Alex. But that said, I'm that's still going to give it to Sheena right Easton. Because uh, I think Sheena Easton had a lot of fun with this song, and I think that taps into my understanding of this Billy Jill song, is that it is pretty dumb. It's <laughs> it dumb and fun. I think <laughs> the big part of the song that appeals to artists, and there's not that many covers, but the reason that it is still a covered song is, mm-hmm. I mean, just because... One, yeah, it's kind of fun, but also it's very relatable, like to artists specifically. Oh yeah, it's a very general, like working artist struggle. <laughs> yeah, so maybe not super relatable to the, your general audience, but definitely to another artist. So that's probably the primary appeal of the song. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, and yeah, I think Sheena tapped into that. She brought a little little '80s vibe to it, without. I mean, I didn't change it utterly or or dramatically, but she, you know, she did her performance of it. I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, I and think I, I would have rated that one higher. 
Uh, if you had audio quality was better, had, like, if we had an actual version of it, then just this, like, yeah. very questionable YouTube one. There's four or five versions of it on YouTube, and I was like going through them trying to find a better quality one. And there was one where you could make out like the instruments a little better. It was a little less muddy, mm. but it was because it was all like cranked up like high, and it was very like high frequency. It's so, like you could make things out, but it was like unpleasant. Oh, yeah. That's. <laughs> Oh, the joys of YouTube pirating. Um, yep, yep, yep. But yeah, I think that, yeah, in that sense, like, the lack of audio quality was a, a hindrance, but also the music video itself was definitely a boon. Like, it definitely oh, improved sure. my opinion of the song overall. Sure. Um, that said, Alex, most entertaining version. Most entertaining? I mean, that's why I'm going to give most entertaining to Sheena Easton. Because of that that's video. Like, she's having a good time and just, like, making wacky faces and doing, like, very awkward dance moves. And yeah. wearing a ridiculous 80s outfit with a, quite a frilly... Um, that massive collar, collar just yeah. frilled up. Yeah, if you could call it that. Something. And also, You're right, that is the most entertaining. She's the entertainer, so there's no band on the stage. That's, I was going to say right. that before I'm cheating. <laughs> I ran out of time. I think that's supposed to be a joke, but it's unclear. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's funny, though. Yeah, there's empty band, but there's, like, clearly instruments back there. Yeah. There's a drum kit and stuff. Very funny stuff. That said, I'm, I guess I'm going to flip it. I'm going to give it to Helen Reddy, because as the person who posted her music video on, on there said, it's she has some pretty brilliant choreography. Brilliant choreography. That's what we're and watching that, this for. That's what you're watching it for, and strong vocal performance. Um, and her brilliant choreography is mostly just her, like, rolling her eyes sometimes. Sorry, incredible choreography is the direct quote. <laughs> incredible. And, like, waving her hands around. Yeah, very, like, you know, just what you would do at the time if you were a, a musician and had to do a performance. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, how is that choreographed? Yeah, I don't think anyone choreographed that. I would say that's fully improvised. Oh, so 3L5. That's the other thing. Putting, like, fingers up. Putting, oh, like, yeah. 3L5. Um, or, like, uh, actually, I saw a live version of Jessica Vosk filmed vertically mm. on someone's phone. Um, nice. And she does <laughs> very similar, but for, like, uh, what is it? Uh, I'd like to spend a day or two. She does, like, one, uh, two. One or two. <laughs> one thing. That's a good or move. two. Uh, yeah. One thing or two, yes. For a very, very oh. personal reference. Uh, <laughs> a reference that very few people will know. Yes. Um, unless you listen to our Love Hurts episode all the way to the end. Because I, I did pop that in at the end of the oh, episode. that's true. There. It's out there. It's out there. Did anybody listen? Probably not. Well, we're, we're sending them there now, so if you didn't listen, check it out. That's right. Uh, check it out. It's a, it's a gooder. Um, that's our final verdicts. If you got a different opinion, similar opinion, want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise guy. Tell us what you thought about this shorter format. Um, hit us with the hashtag the entertainer rule. Let us know what you thought about us really crunching down on the <laughs> amount of time we talk about each song. Um, rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting network. We're there. Tell your friends about us. Well, we're not in a network. We're... Yeah, we're not in a, like, a, I mean, like... Do you call I mean, those like, networks? Maybe. I don't know. Pro probably not. I think they're called just apps or services, maybe. 
Just want to make sure we're yeah, not going to confi- no, no one supports this. Okay. Every podcasting network supports us. We're a part of each one. They yes. all pay us a little bit of money. Um, That's why we make so much money off. <laughs> That's why it's, yeah, we're, we're loaded. That's Lush. the end of the episode. As, okay. as y'all might know, we're not doing bonus segments anymore. So get used to it. Uh, that's it. That's the end of the episode. As we always say on Cover Me, Cover Me won't be here in another year if we don't get on the charts.